Please join me in the litany of invitation and confession printed in your worship guide. We enter the sanctuary bringing our sins and our successes, our faith and our lack of faith. We enter the sanctuary troubled by the harshness in our world. Come and worship the Lord, whose judgments are mine to hope. We enter the sanctuary with the hope of healing. Come, let us worship the Lord, who heals and helps. Let us praise the Lord our God, whose love can make us faithful, whose judgments can make us hopeful, and whose healing can make us whole. We confess that we do not always respond to the changing power of God's love. Sisters and brothers, we are forgiven. God is generous in love and full of grace. Let us live like those who have been changed by grace. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. It's the perfect day to be in worship. It's not a pleasant day outside, but it's a good day inside as the people of God gather. Welcome to this place. Uh, we have guests among us, and we want uh, you to feel welcome here. There is on the order of your service, on the edge of the order of service, a welcome card, a response card. If you'll take a moment to complete that, putting name on that will help me connect name and face with you. Also, if there are any of you who would like a, uh, a, to be prayed for this week, it is an honor for our staff to pray for you by name and by need every week. So place that on the card and drop it in the offering plate. Now, several of our folk who are the worker bees among us uh, are down in the fellowship hall readying for lunch even as we speak. And so we hope that all of you, guests included, would stay for our time of fellowship uh, following worship. One of the guests that's here today is Jeremy Lewis. Uh, and Jeremy, we are glad you are here with Urban Recipe Ministry, a way of uh, attending to hunger cooperatively and together. And so he'll be uh, making a presentation even as we are downstairs uh, sharing the meal together. Uh, as we prepare our hearts for worship, we'll be hearing three scriptures. The gospel lesson will be the one that I'm preaching from. It's the story of an exorcism. It's the first public ministry event in the life of Jesus as told by Mark in Mark's gospel. So that's what I'll be preaching on. The second lesson, Michael Hermance will be the lay reader. It's about food offered to idols. 
So if any of you have any questions about that, you might ask Michael after the service. But really what the, what the text is about is how do, how do we handle church controversy and seeing perspectives differently in the spirit of love. But then the first lesson is about praising God, and that's what we will turn our hearts and minds and ears to right now. Welcome. God is worthy of praise. A reading from the Psalms. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us say our prayers. O Lord, our prayers have welled up all week within us, and now they burst forth. From the overflow of our heart, hear our prayer. Help us to worship you with our whole heart, leaving nothing behind, bringing the fullness of ourself to you and to our neighbor. In this season of flu and sickness, snow and ice, give our families strength for the journey. Bring us your healing touch. Lord, although many have already forgotten the latest school shooting, let us not forget We pray for Bailey Holt and for Preston Cope, murdered in Marshall County High School, and for their 16 injured classmates. For their families who mourn, we ask for your peace. God, we can't imagine the pain they feel, so out of our lack of imagination, we ask that you breathe into their broken spirits your spirit of creation. As scripture teaches us, there are unclean spirits which cry out in anguish. But in the presence of Jesus, it is impossible to remain silent. He brings forth all that is clean and unclean. At his command, the world was created. At the sound of his voice, evil is defeated. Such power resides in Jesus' voice. He could but whisper, and twelve legions of angels would appear. But when tempted with power, he chose the way of the cross. 
Only the way of the cross will free us from the idolatry of control. And God, what great news it is to discover the freedom in relinquishing control. And so with our whole heart, we bring forth the prayer within us, that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Dietary customs were controversial in the Corinthian church. However, love for God and one another informs how the church handles controversy. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Now, concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists, and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you, who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if God is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. <clears throat> and Pastor Daniel will take your offering. I'm so glad to see you all here on this rainy, dreary day. I have with me a thank you note, and I need your help. I want to write God a thank you note. What can we tell God we're thankful for? Uh, like that we are thankful for 
Yeah, so we are thankful for our and food. Family. Yeah? Family? The love that God brings us. Yes, the love that God brings us. What else? Or like, uh, like that we are very lucky for stuff. We're thankful for the things that we have. Yeah, like our clothes and the house that we live in. Yeah. Um, we're thankful for the earth that God gave us. Yes, the plants and the animals and all of the creation that's around us. Those are really great things to thank God for. And in our scripture, it comes from the book of Psalms. And the author wrote that we are to share thanks and give thanks to God because God is holy and awesome and is faithful. What are some other ways? How else can we thank God? Yes, your stuffed animals, those are, that's important to thank God for. How can we thank God? Right now we're writing a letter, a thank you note. But how else can we tell God that we are thankful? Yeah. Praying, that's a good way. What are some other ways? You can write. You can write to God like a letter, but you can also just share your thoughts with God because God hears. Yeah? Yeah. So I want us to be aware, be looking for the things that you are thankful for in your life, the things that bring you joy, the people that bring you joy. And let's thank God for all of those things, okay? All right, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for so many things. Thank you for being generous and loving and for taking such good care of us. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.
Jesus teaches and heals with authority a reading from the gospel according to Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. We just heard a reading from the Gospel of Mark, still in the first chapter. And he doesn't waste any time, does he? He gets right down to it. He brings on the action. The first ministry story of Jesus is this. Whoever else Jesus is, he is the one who shows up in the torn places of life, with torn people at torn times. I've been extrapolating that idea that begins in the baptism story in Mark's Gospel. As the heavens are torn apart, it seems to be almost a lens through which to look at the life of Jesus. That whoever else Jesus is, he is one who shows up at the torn times in life. Now, if, if I were a gospel writer, I think I would have done, done it a little differently than Mark. I mean, I kind of like how uh, Luke did it. First few chapters, if you're going to start talking about Jesus, let's start with the shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I mean, isn't that a, isn't that a very nice way to begin? Or in Matthew's gospel, making sure to give a shout out to the wise men who come from the east, uh, who traverse afar, bringing the gifts, you know. I would have gone with that. Uh, much of the European aristocracy, who were the, the gift givers that made the funds available for many a painting, loved to paint the Magi. But Mark didn't go there. I would have gone where John did as he starts the Jesus story with poetry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. What a good way to begin, but, but not Mark. Mark goes nowhere near that. Rather, he begins the Jesus story of public ministry with a crazed man who needs an exorcism. He is a man possessed. Now, on this past Wednesday morning of the Bible study that Daniel and I lead. The group was rather fascinated by that story about the man possessed. 
Uh, some interesting things were said around the table. One uh, at the table told a joke, which was, you know what happens if you don't pay your exorcist? You get repossessed. Now, it was funnier when Ken Brandt told it. I mean, <laughs> trust me, uh, he, he's a stand-up comic compared to me. It, it, it went flat with me, but it was, we all laughed a long time. But from that, it gave me a sermon title, Repossessed. In this sense, Jesus gives him back himself. Because this man, possessed by this unclean spirit, according to the text, possessed by this unclean spirit, gets his own self eclipsed. The imago dei, the image of God in him, goes blank. His soul is not whole, and it too has been torn apart. But when Jesus shows up, this possessed man gets repossessed with himself and the image of God. Now, we're going to have to work hard at connecting this text with with our lives today on this uh, foggy, messy Sunday morning. I mean, the second lesson that Michael read was about meat offered to idols. Do any of you have any questions about that? Meat offered to idols. Well, if so, uh, see Michael about that. Of course, you know, we are having Super Bowl Sunday in Fellowship Hall uh, afterward. And I don't know uh, if any of that meat is offered to idols. I know that there may be Louisianians present who were disappointed about the saints and uh, may have offered some of it to the idol of Tabasco. So beware. I don't remember which one it is. But uh, as you go, you might remember that. Or here's the scripture about somebody being demon-possessed. Maybe that reminds you of some family member you saw at a recent reunion. Member uh, demon-dominated. I don't know what to make of these, but the second one has a little more likelihood. As in, don't all of us come into this room possessed? Maybe not by an unclean spirit or a demon, but possessed by a calendar that is too busy, or a life that is overwhelmed or overloaded, or that job that you took that keeps encroaching and gets larger and larger and eclipses a lot of the rest of your life, or the family that you work so hard to keep together, or tending sick kids, as some of you are, or caring for aging parents, as some of you are. Rollo May, theologian and psychiatrist, says that we all face addictions. It just is a different kind of addiction that each of us have. Maybe diagnoses that cloud our vision and our future, the fears we have, the tears we shed, and all of this together makes us isolated, separated from one another. The symptoms of all of these things siphon off our energy for living. Maybe we too are possessed, and you are in need of an exorcism today. Not only all of this, but I read this week that there's an earth-destroying asteroid that's flying near this week, the kind that took out the dinosaurs a few million years ago, and Amazon may choose Atlanta. There's a lot of things that seek to possess us. 
so that by the time you get to worship, there's nothing much left. You come in tired. I get that. It sounds like being possessed to me. There's not only what we bring in inside our skin. There was, as Daniel mentioned in the prayer, Benton, Kentucky. Here we go again. Guns on our streets, guns in our school, with a 15-year-old bringing in an automatic pistol. Kills two classmates and wounds somewhere over 15 of them. And that wound we bring in here, the wound of world hunger that my latest notes say between 30 and 40,000 people a day die to hunger-related causes. And then there is the state of the world that feels almost demon-possessed to me. Out of all of that world, we come in this sacred space and say, is there hope? Is there the light of God in the darkness that we experience? The way the story is told by Mark, Jesus repossesses this man, reconnects him with self and synagogue and God. Whatever else this notion of unclean is, and um, Christians have been busy for 2,000 years trying to figure out uh, demons and unclean spirits, and, and you can look in the DSM if you want to to try to figure out where the diagnostic, diagnostic is for that. I don't know. I, I'm not going to go there to try to figure that out. I'm just saying something seemed to have possessed him, and it was not his own soul. Whatever else it would have been unclean in that day, it meant that he was segregated. It is a segregating term. Never has it ever been separate but equal. He was separated from himself, from others, from God, but not from Jesus, right? When Jesus walks in, he tests the waters, almost pushes Jesus away, but Jesus will have no part of it. Jesus is going to connect with him. After Jesus finishes teaching, whatever the teaching was, says the people were amazed. He sounds like one having authority. He was not just quoting other scholars, other rabbis, but must have been saying, but I say unto you. Kind of like in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. It's in stark contrast. Jesus walking into the room with so much self with the radiant imago dei, if your theology would say it that way, in contrast to the absence of self of this other man. This crazed man hollers out at the end of Jesus' teaching, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What do you think of that question? I rather like it. I think I... Ask it nearly every day. I think the whole Bible asks it. What do you have to do with us? What does God's life have to do with our lives? I ask it every day and twice on Sunday. What does Jesus have to do with me? Especially when I have my devotional in the morning, but I'm honking on the horn at the guy that stopped in front of me on the perimeter. What does God have to do with me? I try to be loving and caring, and then I'll end up willful, trying to manipulate somebody else out of my neediness. 
I rather like this question, what have you to do with us? And that's part of what we are here this morning to ask. I used to ask the question, what does God want from me? I don't remember where I read it, but I've changed the question. I think the better question is, what does God want for me? You hear the difference? What does God want from me? Uh, There's never enough. Some of us got in the ministry because we thought God wanted something from us rather than God wanted something for us. A chaplain friend of mine in Dallas, Texas, used to work in an orphanage. And occasionally the principal would send him to talk to a misbehaving young man. You go tell him that God is watching him. The chaplain would go and say, I'm supposed to tell you that God is watching you, but I'm not going to tell you that. God's not watching you. God is watching over you. You hear the difference? God, Jesus, is not wanting from us, but for us. For us to live a life of love and light and joy. Reminds me of the scene here with Jesus and this guy from Les Miserables. When the bishop and Jean Valjean encounter each other, that Jean Valjean has gone to the bishop's house because nobody else would let him stay. The bishop has been kind to him, let him spend the night. But what does Jean Valjean do to repay the bishop? He steals the silver candlesticks. Yeah, the cops arrest him. They bring him back. All they need is for the bishop to identify him and 20 more years in prison for Jean Valjean. But what does the bishop do? The bishop has mercy and grace. Comes to Jean Valjean, grabs him by the lapels and says, My brother, I have bought your soul for God. I have released you. You no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I am buying back. Withdraw it for from dark thoughts. Renounce it from the spirit of perdition. I give you back to God. And it happened. The miracle of grace happened in John's life. And he was changed forever afterward. I like the statement, this is a Frank Kafka kind of line, that Jean Valjean was like a cage in search of a bird. Jean was trapped by the burden of carrying around his own prison. Prison is a hard thing to move on from. It doesn't have bars and locks. We were able to transport it with us. And in that moment, John gets free. Like the man possessed whom Jesus met and then repossessed, for God's sake, I bought you back for God. Jesus didn't want anything from him. He wanted something for him, for him to have his own life back as a child of God. It's a prayer that I pray for myself and I pray for our church. What does God want for Northside Drive Baptist Church? We, as a church, are like us as families and us as individuals. It's easy to define ourselves as being consumers, as possessors, 
people that have stuff. And we struggle with that. We could easily, in this day and time, become a consumer church, bent on curators rather than Christians on mission. We struggle with this every time we do a budget and vote on it, that we have the wonderful building and the wonderful property, but we are called to be more than our ectoskeleton, that it is to represent who we are as we go into the hospitalized world. We're not just artists that maintain well-resourced pallets and a good supply of sturdy canvases. There, we're doing art. No, there are poppies to paint, impressions to reflect. And as we studied in the art and soul class today, a baptism to be painted. Jesus is painted by Mark as one who repossesses the possessed, the lives who are held hostage by demons, by possessions, and by theology. Theology that is too small, too tame, too lame, or too stuck in its view of God. Be liberated, the invitation is. Remember what else the the man that's possessed says. Have you come to destroy us? That's another kind of odd question. Well, did Jesus come to destroy or, or not? Well, it depends on what you think about. If the church or the synagogue is a social club, maybe so. If the church or the synagogue is a group that, well, we just kind of get along and move along, no. But if the church is to be a unique light of the world, maybe Jesus keeps reminding us to break down the segregated walls that separate us. I was meeting this week with some colleagues. Uh, It's a part of a project from the King Center, black and white clergy in the area. One of the clergy is an African-American woman who has pastored an African-American church uh, for uh, 25 years. She was telling of a conversation that in her church, they were talking about helping women that are in transition, maybe moving out of an abusive situation, maybe moving into a better job market, trying to, to get restarted in life. And one person said, I'll give money toward that. And another person said, I'll network with some leaders in the community about that. And then the pastor said, well, what if we use some of the church property to have a home here for transitional women? And they said, well, not in our neighborhood. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it kind of caught me in my own prejudice Coming, uh, coming in that conversation. Remember, just a few verses earlier, Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come near. And we go, oh, that's great news. It's, that's what Christmas is. The realm of God has come near. We think of near as good, but you know, near means coming into our neighborhood. We do our faith close up, hands-on, nearby. I think our sister Baptist Church Oakhurst does this well. They have a transitional home for men in the church building uh, who have alcohol or chemical-related issues, and they are a part of the church. The kingdom of God comes near. 
Have you come to destroy us? Well, any kind of system that tears people apart, Jesus is saying, I'm putting them on notice. Not anymore. Not on my watch. The powers of domination and dominion are time-stamped. They have a shelf life. Rome looked like it would live forever, but already the axe was laid to the root of the tree. The oppressive occupation was coming to an end, though nobody else could see it. Jesus heals this man. The spirit comes out of him, does so with violence, throws him to the floor with convulsions, with shouting, and then he's finally free. From that I learned that forces of, of power over us don't easily give up. Forces of power hold hostage, and they especially go for vulnerable people at vulnerable times in torn places of life. Jesus comes into the room with the light and love and life of God, and it shines on this man, and everything from the light of Jesus transforms him. He is repossessed. I'll close with a story. I read this a few years ago. It may be an urban legend, but it's, it's still a true story. It's a story that maybe 60 years ago, Navy was on maneuvers, some ships in the Navy, one battleship and some others, and it was a dark and stormy night. Uh, the darkness was darker than usual. The fog had set in. They had to be very careful as they maneuvered about, and the watchman on the front bow of the ship noticed a light coming toward them in the distance. In fact, the light was not moving, and the man who saw it knew that they were on a collision course. He called out to the captain, Captain, we're on a collision course. And the captain said, signal with Mars code, with the flashing light, signal to the other ship that you're on collision course, turn course 20 degrees. And they did. But then of all things, the light signaled back, no, you change course 20 degrees. It's kind of odd, wasn't it? The captain is a little bit angry about that. And the captain says, you say, I am a captain of the ship. You turn course 20 degrees. Then the light flashes back. No, I am a seaman second class. You change course 20 degrees. And they're getting closer and closer. By this time, the captain is irate. And you say, tell him, I am a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. And the light flashes back. I am a lighthouse. And the battleship changed course 20 degrees. We come and look at the cross. We come and experience the light of Christ and the faces and the love of the people in this room. And you know what we do when we leave here? We change course. Amen.
is our tradition that when a word is offered, a time of response, of dedication and invitation is given. We take these words, the songs we sing, and the prayers we pray, and it's like the light of the lighthouse shining in our lives that both enter the wounds that we have, but heals us with warmth and love. We sing about the broad and deep love of God. We will sing stanzas one, two, and three, and then stanza six. Let's stand together and sing. Each time we gather, we bring our concerns and celebrations and announcements. I bring a few of those to you this morning. Uh, as you know, and for those who are visiting who don't know, we want to invite you. After the service, we'll have our Super Bowl in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, if you need a Sherpa guide to get there, just follow everyone, basically. I can't explain how to get there from here. Um, I, allegedly, I hear there's going to be some Texas chili served. I hear, I see a nod from Corbin Bookhouse. I'm not identifying the cook, but just a mere coincidence. Uh, please save me some, Corbin. Uh, a great time of fellowship, and uh, in years past, we've collected well over $1,000. All of the donations that are made will go to benefit the church's hunger fund appropriately. 
Uh, the Triple E Valentine Luncheon will be on February 6th with our very own Hal Meeks. If you could make your RSVP by this week, by Thursday, to the church office, we'd be grateful. Uh, there will be no parent small group tonight. Uh, sickness has struck our house. People are recovering, but we're going to take a break tonight. Our prayer concerns, of course, go uh, to all the families uh, who are recovering from illness. Um, little Charlie Harden has the flu, I've learned. So pray for Charlie and Jackie and Andrew. Uh, Barbara Ashley's mother, Emma, uh, found out was discharged last night from the hospital. Great news there and recovering. We visited with Jerry Humphreys last week, who was at Piedmont, discharged, but learned this morning she was readmitted. So please be praying for Jerry. For Liz Lampkin, uh, who may indeed be landing soon at Tel Aviv Airport, who has begun her uh, Holy Land journey this very day, we pray for Liz uh, for a very significant time. Our prayers touch all of these that I've named, as well as those you hold in your heart uh, that you lift up, and as been mentioned a couple of times, the tragedy that struck again in Kentucky for those killed, for those recovering in the hospital and at home, for all those recovering and facing grief and pain. Uh, Lord, hear our prayer. And we begin, or we continue, rather, uh, our worship by the singing of Christ is the world's light, uh, our offertory hymn, Christ is the world's peace, he and none other. May that be our prayer as we continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
All-loving God, our lives echo a story's truth and the choir's song. You are our lighthouse. It is from you that we learn of life and light and love. Receive these offerings as symbols of our gratitude and thanksgiving. And as we go from this place with course corrections, may we be the light of the world on dark days. Bless and help and heal and hold us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And as we prepare to go, may the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give us hope and give us courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace.